You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Have you been naughty or nice? Christmas. Happy again, belated <laughs> Hanukkah. I missed Hanukkah entirely. I never wished my listeners who are Jewish a happy Hanukkah, but uh, better late than never next year in Jerusalem and all that. Anyway, uh, people are home. Christians are home for the holidays. And of course, that can be very stressful, particularly if you are an adult and you've gone home for the holidays and your parents still look at you as if you're a child or treat you as a child. And I just want to put in a little plug for the alcohol industry this time of year. The the Not the retail, not like the stores, the alcohol shops. No, I mean like bars, clubs. One of the most brilliant things about being home for the holidays, if you've gone home from college or in your adult, you've traveled home. If you haven't done this, you really should. Go out on Christmas Eve. Go out on Christmas Day, even if it's only for an hour or two. And there's this most magical thing. You walk into a gay bar or a straight bar or a club, and it will be full of other people who are escaping their families, if only for a few minutes. A lot of these people are single and drunk and are desperate for a little anti-Christmas adult fun. Some of these people are partnered, but alone, and maybe up for a little adult infidelity style fun not that i think i don't approve of that but you know people do what they got to do to stay sane when they're home for the holidays even people i'm not this isn't even just about people who hate their families and you know families a stress fest no people who like their families still need to get the fuck away from their families there's a reason we don't live with our parents past a certain point in our lives if we have any sense or luck or a job it's because we can't take it and sometimes we need to drink and sometimes we need to drink alcohol and sometimes we need to drink the saliva of a stranger. So if you're home, it's Christmas, it's the 21st, 22nd, while you're listening to this, make plans to go out and lie if you must. Tell your parents you're going to midnight mass when you're actually going out looking for some midnight ass. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I am calling about um, a long-term relationship I've had. I've been with my boyfriend for almost five years, and I totally love him. Uh, He's my best friend. We've been together since we were freshmen in college. We live together now, and I really, really love him. But I've been feeling really guilty lately about the fact that I am totally attracted to other men and in some cases other women and I don't know how to deal with that. Um, I've, I've kind of casually, jokingly brought up the idea of an open relationship with him and he thinks it's kind of funny, kind of plays it off. Um, he doesn't seem completely negative about it and I've explained to him how, for me, a bigger violation of our relationship would be if you were to lie to me about having a relationship with someone as opposed to say, I have feelings about someone and I want to act on it. Um, 
really don't know how to feel about it. Um, and there's this guy I work with right now who's much older than me who I really, really, really want to, like, fuck this shit out of. And I don't know what to do with it because, one, I work with him, and two, I really, really love this man that I've been with for five years, who I've built a life with, and I'm pretty certain I want to marry. And I don't know how to kind of kind of deal with the two two facts that I want to spend the rest of my life with this one man who I can see being a father figure to my children, building life with, and the fact that I want to fuck the shit out of a man who's 20 years older than me. I, I don't know how to deal with that. And if you can give me any advice, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You need to stop casually joking about the open relationship that you want. You've introduced the subject in that sort of passive-aggressive bank shot way that a lot of people do because it's awkward because you know i love you and i want to spend my life with you i want to fuck this guy at work who's 20 years older than me and is super hot but i love you and i want to have your children stop joking about it to call the question say you know those times i've talked about having an open relationship i kind of meant it and so let's have a real conversation no jokes about what that would look like and what's possible for us because i love you and i want to spend my life with you but i don't want to spend my life not fucking anybody else other than you And if he feels the same way, then you negotiate terms about what's permissible, what's not permissible, who he's going to feel comfortable with you uh, fucking besides him and who he won't. And perhaps that guy at work will get the all clear from your boyfriend. Perhaps he won't be a veto from your boyfriend. You you say, you know, there's two issues with that guy. You work with him. Well, lots of people fuck people they work with. It can get complicated, uh, but... Telling people they shouldn't fuck people from work is like telling people they should never drink alcohol and have sex. It's good advice in theory and it's lousy advice in practice because everybody drinks and fucks. And so just tell, you know, blank. It's just cowardice to blanket tell people. I was in a sex advice professional. Just cowardice to blanket advise people never to touch demon rum when they're going to touch somebody's delicious bum. Sorry about all the ass puns today, people. So yeah, fuck him at work. Fuck him if you want to fuck him. Just like have a conversation about it. that's going to be awkward. We're, you know, fucking where we work and fucking somebody from work. And let's make sure that's not going to get awkward and have a conversation with the guy you're going to fuck at work about what it'll mean when it ends and what, how you're going to treat each other when and if it ends. Because it will end. It's a temporary thing. You're not in love with him. You just want to knock boots. And so say we both promise going in to each other's pants. We both promise that, you know, when this is over, we're going to be friends and friendly, even if it ends awkwardly and we have to force those friendly feelings and uh, pretend uh, in our interactions, at least at the outset after it's over uh, to be friendly. We'll, we'll fake it till we're there and then you'll be good. Then you'll be good. Hi, Dan. My name's Laurel, and I'm calling because my partner and I are having this ongoing debate about uh, the Body Electric School, which you may or may not be aware of. If you go to bodyelectric.com, you can check out their video they have about their their men's workshop, which, while it may be a little foofy, the debate that my partner and I are having, and just by the way, we're on our way to Enumclaw right now, just to throw that in there. The debate that my partner and I are having he says that it is a workshop geared for gay men, and I say no. It's a workshop that is not heteronormative and that is geared towards any man. And we're wondering if you can watch the video and, uh, and answer that question for us. 
Joining us now by phone is Bob Findle, school director and facilitator for Body Electric. Hey, Bob, thanks for taking the time. What the heck is Body Electric, for those who aren't familiar? Well, Body Electric is this really great kind of underground thing that a lot of people don't know about. But basically what we do is we put on workshops around the country in Canada and also in Australia. And what we do is we teach people, and it's not just for men, we teach people to connect on a real deep level of their center of pleasure. We do that with breath, movement, touch, and specifically erotic touch. But our, our basis is that erotic energy is really healing. And in, you know, in our culture, that's kind of been tramped on a little bit. But if you tap into erotic energy, a lot of things can happen. And that's our, really our destiny. It's part of our body. And it's, so we just tap into erotic energy as a way to grow and to receive more pleasure. Okay, so the workshops are for men primarily. And did it, did it start in the gay community? Well, let me just clarify that. It's really not for men only. I mean, the majority of our workshops are are men because men have stepped up and support the work. We also do women workshops, which are women and women together, and we're bringing back mixed-gender workshops. But but most of the workshops uh, right now and historically have been men. For men. Just for men. And now there's workshops for just women, and you hope to do some co-ed. Yeah, we've been bringing the women's workshops back, and that's been going well. And next year, we're bringing on some mixed-gender stuff. So, but the workshops... I want everybody to be happy. So, so Body Electric isn't just for gays? No, it's for people. But if this beings. guy showed up at a workshop, it would be mostly gay guys there right now. Well, I find it's interesting that his girlfriend called in because... Um, well, let me answer your first question. Yeah, because of the nature of the work, it's men touching other men. And you know, there's gay guys, nothing gay about that as far as I'm concerned. That's well, normal, normal, so, normal for me. Well, it is. You know, and gay men are, okay, well, I can do this. I can go and massage another man erotically. You know, we also have bisexual men show up. That being said, we do have straight men come to the workshops. We don't ask anybody because we don't care. It's not important to us what your sexual orientation is. What's important is that you're willing to step into this container and see where you can go with it. And it's funny, again, because this woman's calling about a boyfriend. When men do identify themselves straight at some point, and they don't have to, but sometimes they do, I'll say, well, you know, how did you end up here? Well, you know, my girlfriend thought I should do this, or I have a friend who's gay, and he said I should come try it. And, like, well, that's great, because it's not just every straight man walking down the street that's able to come in and do this. So what kind of touch, for straight guys out there who are listening, what kind of touch should they be braced for or uh, drooling in anticipation of if they go to a body electric <laughs> workshop? Yeah, I'm glad you corrected that. And they don't need to be braced. They should be eager. Um, you know, it's, it's a ramp up. We start out very, very um, touching safe parts of the body, if we can use that word. You know, back massage and arms and hands and legs and, and buttocks. And eventually we do lead into genital massage. And what's important about the workshops? it's not about sex. It's not... There's no oral, there's no anal, there's nothing, you know, penises don't go anywhere, insertive. It's basically getting a massage. And so a man, a straight guy coming would have to be, uh, no, no pun intended there, but a straight <laughs> guy attending the workshop would need to be comfortable being touched erotically by another man and touching other men. So what do people who attend the workshop learn? What do they leave with? Well, what they leave with is the idea of tapping into this erotic energy. And we use 
the massage and breath work and movement and music. It's a whole flooding. And with erotic energy, when you build it up, there's a concept called chi, which ties into the whole idea of tantra, something you had, had mentioned. And when you build up this energy, if you can use it in your body, you can spread can you, it out through your body. Can you power out. your car with it? What are you going to do with this energy at the end of the day? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Well, the, the chi, the energy that's built, can cause healing. It can cause, it can help you to have clarity. It can have in, immense pleasure. It can bring up emotion that's been kind of trapped. And one of the things I need to point out is the idea of chi, which is this, it goes back to Tantra and Taoism, is, you know, a lot of times with erotic energy, particularly with men, you know, men are on the road, they're on the war path, they're going to get down there and come. That's the goal. I'm going to have an orgasm, I'm going to shoot a load or whatever. What we teach men is, let's not go there. Let's keep building that energy and don't come. Keep that energy in your body and spread it out and see what happens. What happens is amazing. And guys feel healing, they feel connected with ancestors, and it's kind of hard in this short period of time to really get into it, but men leave the workshop saying, this has changed my life. I so, have a new understanding of my body and my life. So blue what balls are good for you. That's the message of Body Electric. Well, you don't get blue balls because what we do is, you, know, you get blue balls is when you're holding that energy in your genitals and not doing anything with it. What we do is we take that energy and spread it out to your heart, into your mind, into your body, into parts of your body that might need healing. You don't get the blue balls. The blue balls is holding on to the energy and not using it. Say that's one of the things people talk about. Oh, I can't have erotic energy and not come. Well, come on and see. Try it out. See what happens if you don't. Where can people learn more? Where should they go? What's your website? Well, it's thebodyelectricschool.com, and that's the men's site, and there's a link on there that goes to the women's site if um, if they want to look at the women's site. And before you let me go, I just want to make one comment, because the woman, your caller was a woman, and I follow up with straight men that come to the workshops, and later I call them and say, well, you know, what's happened in your life? And a lot of them report that their girlfriends or wives say that they are better lovers that they are more present in their body, they're being the man's body. They're more present in their body, they're more attentive, they're more conscious. So the women note that a man spending some time erotically with another man enhances his sexual response to the woman. So women love it. They well, like their men going and um, getting a little bit of male intimacy. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. Bob Findle, school director and facilitator uh, for Body Electric. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Glenn Beck's The Christmas Sweater, if you're looking for an appetite suppressant. If you're looking for an interesting and fun listen, I would recommend Squirrel Seeks Chipmunk, David Sedaris's new book. For your free audiobook download of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm calling because I have a somewhat unique situation that I've never encountered before. I've been seeing a guy for about nine months. We've been dating and everything is going really well. We really enjoy spending time together. Except for uh, there have been two bedwetting incidents 
um, the first happened after the first three months. He, this is him wetting the bed. And the second happened about three months later. Um, he is 34 years old and he doesn't drink alcohol and he is, uh, otherwise healthy. Um, what I did find out in our talking about it is that he, his childhood bedwetting was dealt with in an abusive manner, um, by his caretaker. And generally throughout his childhood, he suffered neglect and, uh, possibly abuse, physical abuse, um, so I guess my question is, um, how tolerant should I be with this problem? It's not, it's obviously really unpleasant and embarrassing for him and, and also for myself. Um, and I just, I just don't know what to do about it. I don't know how common this is um, for an adult. I mean, I know it's uncommon for an adult to wet the bed, but, but uh, what, what could the sources of the problem be? What kind of a problem is it? Is it could it be just physical or is it also emotional? Um, I don't know. I just it's something I've never encountered before, and I'd really appreciate any help you could give me. A quick review of the bedwetting, adult bedwetting literature points to some potential medical causes: urinary tract infections, cancer of the bladder, diabetes. Your guy, if he was abused about a bedwetting problem uh, in his youth, may not have ever discussed his adult problem with a doctor because he's so burdened with shame or so conflicted and insecure about it. And I would, if I were you, if he hasn't, urge him to go and speak to a doctor about the problem. There are drugs that you can take for adult bedwetting, but... Uh, they're not drugs you can be on for the rest of your life. They tend to be prescribed for people who are going to be in a situation for a couple of days or a week where they can't uh, risk wetting the bed. I don't know what that situation would be exactly. Maybe they're sleeping in hammocks over someone else. You, however, uh, don't have a lot of options. There's bedwetting alarms, which are electric pads you put on the bed, and if somebody starts to pee, it goes whoop, 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 and wakes you up, and you dash to the bathroom to conclude your pee. It may not be a problem, though, that you can solve, and that sucks, and that's going to be inconvenient, but twice in nine months, Paris is worth a mass. You have to decide if this problem is unsolvable, and it may very well be, is this guy worth uh, losing two or three nights of sleep a year for and getting a plastic liner between your mattress and your sheets and having spare sheets around and towels around. Uh, it sounds more like a problem that can't be solved that can be accommodated uh, if you decide that he's worth that kind of accommodation. Hi, Dan in Tech Savvy at Repute. This is Raven. I have a problem. I like anal. Um should probably specify I'm a female, 25 years old, bisexual. I like anal sex, um, receiving, I guess, and giving, but that's a different story. But when I'm receiving, um, I like to be in a position where I can get off clitorally because otherwise it kind of hurts too much and it's not fun. So for me, I have to be face down, and I usually have a vibrator under me. So I'm on my stomach, the vibrator under me, and then, you know, guys fucking my ass, there's a lot of lube, there's inevitable santorum, and because of gravity in that position, it always kind of like... I guess drip down and like even though I pee right after and I shower right after, I like always get bacterial vaginosis, which I know you guys know what that is, but for the listeners, it's like 
smelly vagina. Like, I do not want this. There's a serious downside. Um, so do you have any advice that somebody can only get off in one position, and that position is uh, anti-gravity? <laughs> Thanks. I love the show. Bye. You get one of those adhesive maxi pads and slap it over your twat, I suppose, in between your clit and your anus. I do want to let you know, though, that Santorum is not inevitable. For those of you just tuning in to the Savage Love universe, Santorum is the, quote, frothy mix of lube and fecal matter that is sometimes the byproduct of anal sex. Now, that sometimes is in there because if you're doing anal right, there will be no Santorum. If you have Santorum literally pouring out of your ass while you're having anal sex and it's dripping down across your vagina, you're doing it wrong. You're using too much lube. You're using a lube that's way too slick and perhaps runny. You should look to cream-based lubes. Uh, That can be a problem if you're not in a monogamous ish relationship with someone whose uh, health you're completely comfortable with and assured of because most of those cream-based lubes aren't condom compatible, but some are. Look for a cream-based lube. It's a little thicker. It doesn't run. If you're using something like Astroglide or some of the really slick and slippery lubes, they will run. Don't use those. Also, if there's Centaurum, you're not... Centaurum implies the presence of fecal matter. There shouldn't be shit in your ass when you're having anal sex. If there is shit in your ass... You're doing it wrong. You don't have anal, as I've said before, with an ass full of shit for the same reason you don't have oral with a mouth full of food. It's going to be messy. So if it's been your experience of anal sex that there's always fecal matter present, you need to begin a rigorous campaign of anal douching. Just buy a bulb, you squeeze some water into your butt, you shit it out, you repeat until nothing's coming out but water. Do that. Cream thicker, lube, and anal douche and you'll take care of your Santorum problem which should take care of your UTI problem good luck uh, hi Dan I am calling um, because I have an issue with a friend of mine that I work with um, I just started this new job and he's a really good friend of mine and uh, he and I have hung out a lot and he's probably the person that I hang out with most at work um, he is married and uh, I would be lying if I said I was not attracted to him. But um, I've also, I know that his marriage is a really bad situation um, where he is sort of stuck in it. Um, and he hasn't told me a lot about it except last night. We talked a lot about it um, because he has been sort of more and more frustrated. Um, and I know that he is attracted to me, um, not because of anything he said, neither of us have really acknowledged it, but anytime we go out and drink, you know, things get flirty and there's like physical contact and just certain things that he says. And, um, and I definitely, uh, reciprocate the flirtation anyway. So yes, last night we went out and he, uh, in explaining sort of the situation with his wife, he also sort of confessed that. He often um, cheats on her by just, I guess, his his limit, his uh, the line that he draws is that he'll only make out with girls. Um, he won't go any further than that. Um, and, you know, I think it's been sort of eating away at him, and he felt the need to confess it. Um, my question is, should I make how I feel known to him? I mean, I'm guessing he sort of knows. Um, 
and I don't know, should I try to pursue anything with him in the hopes of maybe getting him to sort of change his life and leaving his wife or I don't know. Um, at the same time, I don't really want to be just, you know, the same make-out partner and then, you know, nothing else coming from that. Um, if I am, if I were to be with him, I'd want it to be something actually uh, real and, and meaningful Um because uh, I really care about him, he's a really good person, and uh, um, and I feel like we're very compatible in a lot of ways. But uh, I just don't know. Actually, I'm torn between wanting to be a really good friend to him and not uh, taking advantage of this. I feel like if I were to pursue things, I'd be sort of taking advantage of the fact that I now know that he's willing to um, cheat on his on his wife. But at the same time, I feel like you know what he needs is a friend. He, he doesn't need another hookup. Have you fucked this guy yet? Have I what? No, no, I haven't. Okay. So why doesn't he leave his wife? If he's miserable, independent of your existence, why is he still with this woman? Um, so what, what I can gather is that what he told me is that he thinks that he would have a suicide on his hands, like if he left her. I think, you know, they met in college, like their first year of college, and they've been ever since. And he feels like, you know, she, that he is everything that she basically lives for. She's very overweight, and he doesn't feel like she would be able to um, get someone else. She just lost her job. So and he's a really nice guy, and I guess he just feels like, you know, um, as long as he can still live his life, it's, it's okay um, as long as, you know, to be with her because, you know, she depends on him. Do they have kids? No. Well, it sounds like he may not be doing her any favors by staying with her, job or no job. Like, but but whatever. Setting that all aside, you do realize, and I'm very cynical, and people lie to people they want to fuck. Mm-hmm. You do realize that someone saying, you know, I cheat on my wife, but I only make out with the women that I cheat on her with, is a sort of glossy lie that a habitual cheater would tell a mark, tell somebody that they wanted to cheat on their wife with that. <laughs> You know, with other girls, it was just making out. But with you, I'm thinking about going all the way. It doesn't kind of pass the smell test, but mm-hmm. you're there with him, and you, you're a better judge of his truthfulness and you know how it comes across in the moment. Right. You he know, hasn't told me that he wants to like fuck me. Like we, I mean, we get flirtatious and we, and we drink together a lot, but like he's never, um, other than sort of like some physical affection, um, he's never sort of like made a move on me or anything. Okay, but you're thinking about making a move on him because you're into him. But... I'm into him, but I don't want to be. I don't want to just be this some girl that he makes out with, um, and I don't want to be his mistress. Like I want to be there if he if he wants to change his life. I want to be the the catalyst for that. But I'm not interested in just being you know his thing on the side. All right. Well, you can present yourself to him as incentive and leverage if you want to leave the wife. Mm-hmm. Odds are he won't. You know, right. the reasons he's staying with her, you know, if he feels emotionally blackmailed or she's really that fragile, he's not going to leave because you're the pot of gold at the end of the infidelity rainbow. But you can have a real and meaningful relationship with him. There's plenty of people who are in marriages that they stay in for whatever reasons and they have other relationships. You know, if you define real and meaningful as open-ended and a commitment to you and you only, then you can't have a real and meaningful relationship with him. But you could still potentially have a real and meaningful relationship with someone who's unhappily married. You mean, you mean like, you know, like sit, like date him, like, you know, act as an actual relationship, not just a friendship? Yeah. 
Yeah. The thing is, like, I just moved to the city. He's he's one of my only friends, and and here yet, and I've been here for a couple months now. And I'm I'm 22. I don't know. I I feel like I want like the whole thing. I want someone who's only, you know, with me. Okay. Well, um, then he's not it. Yeah. So stop thinking about him. He's a married man in a very complicated, messy situation who has no intention, from the sounds of things, of leaving his wife. Fuck yeah. somebody else. Or fu- yeah. I, Pardon me. Find somebody else. Since you're not just interested in fucking, you want the whole ball of wax. He ain't it. Right. Is, is there any way to, to, to be friends with him and, and have the physical relationship? Like, is that inevitably going to turn out badly, especially because we work together, too? <laughs> That's been a theme today on the show. Can you fuck people at work? You can fuck people at work so long as before the fucking starts, you know, or have a relationship, a romantic entanglement with somebody at work, so long as before it's initiated, you guys have a conversation about what the end of it will be like if it ends while you're still working together. You have a long conversation about, and you make promises about how you'll treat each other, how you'll interact once it's over. Because not that that's a guarantee that it won't get dicey or ugly or that the person will, you know, honor that agreement, but they're much likelier to. If you have a long talk way in advance while you're still besotted where you say, you know, you're married, we work together, this could end, and when it ends, you know, I'm going to treat you in a friendly, respectful, solicitous manner, and you're going to treat me the same way, and we're, we're going to be professionals, and, you know, however it ends, and for whatever reason, we're going to remember, even at the darkest moments, that we really do like each other, which is how we were able to do this in the first place. We're going to tap into that, if and when it ends. Say that before it starts, and then if it ends, you're likelier to have it end smoothly, and there'll be pain, but there won't be drama. If I if I do want to start something, I mean, is he going to take it? Do you think he'll take it as, like, I'm trying to take advantage of the fact that now I know that he cheats on his wife? Well, you know, now I want to start something. I mean, I'm sort of torn between, like, being his friend and not, not approaching it, not, like, not, not broaching the subject and you're very articulate. You're very articulate, <laughs> and it seems like you're really in touch with your emotions and what you're feeling, and you should say all this to him. Really? Oh, I'm so afraid to do that. Why? What do you have to lose? If, if you scare him off with this kind of talk about what you want and where you're at, then good riddance. Yeah, I guess I, guess I just feel like, I mean, he's a really good friend. I, don't, I'm, I know that, you know, throughout all this stuff with his wife, like, even though I'm a new friend of his, like, he's been, um, he's been able to sort of talk to me about it. I don't want to, to, to you know, sort of cut that off or, or ruin anything between us. And, or make things awkward for later on, you know? I don't, I don't know. I can't guarantee you that there's no risk yeah. of things getting awkward or you spoiling this friendship or it not working out over the long term, and I can't guarantee he'll, he'll leave his wife for you. Sounds like you won't. Yeah. You know, but if you can regard a short-term physical connection and some physical intimacy as not a failed relationship and not a waste of your time, then it can work. Right, you just true. have to redefine success and what a successful relationship is. You know, if you enjoy spending time to, with him and he's not getting sex at home and he gets sex elsewhere and you can, guys can have an intimate connection and bond and it can end well when it ends because you want more than he can ever give you, mm-hmm. then it was a success. That was a real and meaningful relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. So so if I were to were to bring it up, should I do it sort of, on one of our, you know, drunken nights of bar hopping? 
Or no. <laughs> no, what you should do is you should enjoy another couple drunken nights of bar hopping. And then at some point, not like in a, we have to talk about our relationship and where it's going way. <laughs> uh, you need to just sit down and say, look, you know, we're flirting all the time. And you, need, you can say this in a friendly way, an upbeat way, not drama. Like, I'm really into you. You're, you seem into me. Like, if you want to take this someplace, let's talk about where that place might be. And let me let's like throw out what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not, and, and my reservations and hesitations, and then just see what he says. And if he can't handle that kind of conversation, he can't have a wife and a girlfriend. Okay, well, that, that all makes sense. Thank you. Thanks for helping me put in, put in perspective. Good luck. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm a 24-year-old male uh, from Portland. Um, recently, I moved down here. Um, I was living in Seattle. Long story short, I was talking to a neighbor of mine who had just moved in to my building, um, and he uh, one day when he started chatting to me, one day when we started chat, chatting together, uh, he started hitting on me and asked me if I was gay. I told him I'm not, and that I was straight. Um, he asked me if I had any beer, to which I responded, I don't, because I don't drink. So I definitely got that feeling as if he was trying to. Um, get me drunk to for something to happen. Anyway, regardless, uh, I ended up hanging out with the guy, even though my gut feeling told me not to. Uh, I ended up in his apartment, though, and all of a sudden I found myself making out with him for about 10 minutes, and then he gave me a blowjob. Uh, throughout the entire experience with this guy, though, he um, he made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, then a few days later, uh, it was like two o'clock in the morning and he was super drunk and, uh, his music was on really loud and I told him to, you know, turn it down cause I was trying to sleep. He literally had waken, woken me up because it was so loud. Um, and then he comes over and, uh, asks me what's wrong and I tell him nothing, just go away. And then, uh, so that's that's my way of dealing with him. And then regardless, uh, he ends up in my apartment, and before I know it, he's getting me off again. Um, I know I shouldn't have let him in. I shouldn't have given me another blowjob because he was being an asshole, but I, I really was just out of it and wanted to go back to bed. I tell him to fuck off regardless, and he gets all pissed off and tells me that I have a ton of shit to figure out. Um, not going to lie here. Obviously, there's some type of bi-curiosity going on. Um, I have no interest in giving a guy a blowjob, and the thought of anal with a guy or a girl uh, grosses me out, so that's not something I'm interested in. So um, I don't really know where to take this. Um, I, don't know, I don't know who to consult about this, so I thought I'd call you. There was an onion story couple of years ago, oh my god, many years ago, 1998, that I'd like to share with everyone before I get around to answering your questions. Onion headline, why do all these homosexuals keep sucking my cock? Look, I'm not a hateful person or anything, it's an op-ed. I believe we should all live and let live, but lately I've been having a real problem with these homosexuals. You see, just about wherever I go these days, one of them approaches me and starts sucking my cock. 
Where does this queer get the nerve to suck my cock? Did I look gay to him? Was I wearing a pink feather boa without realizing it? I don't recall the phrase suck my cock entering the conversation, and I don't have a sign hanging around my neck that reads, please, you homosexuals, suck my cock. I'm not trying to beat up on you, caller. Uh, You sound like you're in a little bit of torment. But that passive voice thing, all of a sudden, I found myself making out with him. As if you were like a $5 bill lying on the sidewalk and you were innocently walking down the street and then there you were. The guy sounds like kind of a pushy asshole, but I think he's picked up on that by curiosity thing that at the very end of your call you acknowledge just might be going on. It's obviously going on. You know, a lot of us, uh, people who struggle with their sexual identities, whether you're bi or gay, a lot of us, uh, when we're just starting to figure ourselves out somebody comes along who perceives uh who who pursues us aggressively somebody who is sort of what we might want pursues us aggressively and we succumb to that person just because they're pushing right they're asking they're cajoling he's not raping you pressuring cajoling offering douching being a douche, not douching. Hopefully he's not douching with you. All of a sudden I found myself anal douching. And for a lot of people who are queer, bi, gay, lesbian, our first sexual experiences sometimes are with people that we don't like very much just because they're the ones who didn't take, they're the pushy assholes who didn't take I'm straight for an answer when it wasn't true. You know, most decent, God-fearing, red, white, and blue, apple pie fucking queers... When somebody tells us they're straight, we go, okay, we back way the fuck up. All right, you're straight. Because you are straight or because we perceive you to be a mess and we don't want to mess around with you. Because most adult, gay, lesbian, and bi people want to mess around with people who know exactly what they are and don't need training wheels and don't need hand-holding and aren't going to burst into tears. So what do you do? Stop fucking your neighbor. Stop talking to him. Stop inviting him into your apartment. Stop stumbling over yourself, getting blowjobs from him. How'd that happen? All of a sudden, he's sucking my dick. How'd that happen? Well, if you're not strapped down at a certain point, you took your dick out of your pants. It's probably how it started, right? Be assertive. Take control. Identify at least to yourself for now as bi and go find somebody who isn't a pushy asshole to suck your dick. You don't necessarily even have to reciprocate. There's a lot of degrees of bisexuality is a big continuum. There's a lot of guys out there who are primarily straight identified, 98% straight, but can graciously accept a blowjob from a fag every once in a while without their sense of self or their sexual identity shattering. Maybe you're one of those guys, but you're not really going to know until you do a bit more exploring. And I would encourage you to do that exploring with somebody who's not a jerk. And perhaps your neighbor is a jerk and perhaps not. Because one of the dynamics, emotional dynamics for people who are closeted or struggling with their sexual orientation is to shift all blame and responsibility onto the person of the same gender who happens to be sucking their dick. So you will play mental games with yourself or with others. And basically what comes out of your mouth is why do all these homosexuals keep sucking my cock? That this isn't something you're doing or pursuing. It's just something that keeps happening to you. 
this guy keeps happening to you and we can view him as a predator and you as prey and you as defenseless in the face of his oral cavity. Or we can encourage you to take a little bit of responsibility for your actions and then get a little proactive about who it is you are and what it is you want and what you're going to be exploring for the next few years. And risk going out there and finding someone, if he is a pushy asshole, this guy, who isn't a pushy asshole and a drunk. Go find somebody that you like who wants to suck your dick. And I hate to keep peeling away at this onion, but that's going to be perhaps a little emotionally risky for you. There are a lot of tormented closet cases out there who don't want their dicks sucked by someone they like. Because that's kind of gay to have your dick sucked by someone you like. Right now, you have this... Same-sex action, you have your dick sucked by another dude, and then you have the absolution when it's all over of not liking him and blaming him for it entirely, taking no responsibility because he's a jerk. And you're Pauline, and this is the perils of Pauline and his big dick getting sucked. So you're really going to have to walk up to that threshold, take some responsibility, start identifying as bi at least to yourself, at least for now, and risk doing something a little gay, which is finding a gay dude wants to mess around with you or a bi dude who wants to mess around with you that you want to mess around with that you're not going to pin all the blame on when you call a sex advice call and show for a little advice. Hi, Dan. I have a problem, sort of. I am six, I'm a 16-year-old girl and I fool around with older guys. Um, I recently had a thing this summer with a 39-year-old uh, who told me he was 32. I sent pictures. Uh and I was going to have sex with him, but my mom caught me sending the pictures in my email. I didn't delete them very well, obviously. Um, I don't know how to get over the older guy, over uh, older guys, um, not, you know, like 39-year-old guys, but like 18- to 22-year-olds are my biggest problem right now because there are just so many that are attractive, and I feel that, I'm mature in the sense that even though I understand it's illegal, I can still get these guys to fall for fooling around with a minor. So I guess my question is, how do I get out of this path of repetition? Because obviously I can get in a lot of trouble and I can get my other parts of the fooling around in trouble too. And I don't really want to do that. Thank God for your mom. I am so on your mom's side. I'm glad she was reading your emails. I'm glad she caught you sending dirty photos to a 39-year-old. Look, you're into 18 to 22-year-olds and you're 16. And assuming you didn't turn 16 five minutes before you placed that call, that means in less than two years, 18 months, maybe less even, you're going to be 18. And then you can Send all the pictures you want to all the 18-year-old guys you want, or even the 39-year-old guys. Hopefully you'll run into one who knows what the campsite rule is and hews to it. But in the meantime, particularly if you live in a state where the age of consent is higher than your current age, if it's 18 or 17, knock it the fuck off. Stop torturing your mother. This is what vibrators and masturbation are for, to, to, to bridge the gap between really having come into your full physical sexual maturity and not being quite a legal or emotional adult with a fully formed brain. You know, the teenage brain is a half-formed impulse control lacking mess. So be careful out there. Be careful what you invite into your life by 
making yourself and your photos available online to creepy old men. Now, perhaps there are some 39-year-old guys out there who can fuck 16-year-olds, boys and girls, with the best intentions and only bring good and sugar and light and wisdom into their lives. But those guys, those guys who are good, who want to fuck 16 years old, who will fuck 16 year olds, who will trawl the net looking for 16 year olds. They're stirred into a pot of motherfuckers, assholes, users, abusers, because the bar is set pretty high. Most guys, even guys who are into teenagers or into that kind of body, and you know everybody is, there's a reason we send 15-year-olds down runways in Paris and not their moms. Most, you know, the beauty ideal is what it is for sound biological reasons. But people know that they shouldn't. And so the good guys, the guys with some self-restraint and control, they hang back. They don't. So the guys who are out there pursuing you online are a self-selected group of impulse control lacking sociopaths. So good on your mom. For monitoring your email and busting your ass. If you've got to send photos to older men, send them to 18-year-old men and hang tight. Soon you'll be 18. And at 16 and a half, 17, in most places, you can fuck an 18-year-old. Like if you're dying for it, if you want to lose your virginity, most people by your age are sexually active. I'm not telling you that you got to wall it up for two more years or for 10 more years or for 10 more minutes. You just have to find an appropriate sex partner. You're not going to find that sex partner in a chat room full of 39, 40, 45 year old men. Hey, Dan, this is Finn in Arlington, Virginia. I want to, uh, I want to totally give you kudos for, uh, the caller in 217, um, who had the, the boyfriend that was obsessed by her past. I thought your advice was great. Totally, totally spot on. I couldn't agree more. But he sounds really controlling. I think you perhaps missed a chance to point out to this woman that that's a huge red flag for her. Not only does this guy want to control her behavior now when they're out in bars, he sort of obsesses about her potentially wanting to sleep with other men when they're out now, but that he also wants to control her past. Ah, just huge, huge red flag. Otherwise, I thought, totally spot on. Dump the motherfucker already. She shouldn't be with someone that makes her feel that bad. Hey, Dan, I wanted to endorse the advice that you gave to the woman on your December 14th podcast, the one whose boyfriend was having trouble getting over her prior relationships. I am a former piece of shit, misogynistic douchebag who had problems with my uh, relationships because I couldn't get over those those sorts of feelings. And your advice was to keep pushing it down and to just kind of live with it and fight against it and and uh, soon it will get better. And yeah, and it, in my case, that's exactly what happened is I found a relationship I wanted to keep and I pushed it down, and I fought it, and I fought it, and it got a little less and a little less, and now I am far less a misogynistic, actual douchebag than I was before. And uh, it, it's not an easy process, but it's something that you kind of owe yourself, and you definitely owe your partner. I thought it was great advice. Keep up the good work, man. Bye. Hey, Dan. i um, been listening to your show for a long time. Listen every week faithfully, and I love it. 
and I've noticed a pattern. Um, what reminded me of the pattern that I've noticed over and over again is the woman calling about her boyfriend who can't seem to get over her past. Um, you may have noticed this pattern as well, and I, if not, maybe I'll be enlightening you. But it seems to me that the people that are calling you with the biggest douchebag partners are the ones that spend two minutes talking about how fantastic they are, how wonderful and caring, how great the relationship is, big, big butt. And then they unleash crap everywhere, just shit. I just, I can't imagine how many calls you get like that. And I find myself thinking that if you have to clarify everything like that, then you should really take a closer look at your relationship. And that's not even to her as much as it is to everyone. Where when I, Whenever I hear a caller say for the first two minutes, the relationship is wonderful, everything is great, I just know that a big butt is coming. Um, so look out for those big butts. And we're going to leave it there. Thank you, everybody, for your questions and your comments. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, please do. 206-201-2720. The Savage Love app for phones, now for iPhones and Android. iPhone, two bucks, no ads. Android, free, but ads. All those still hearing from it, all those iPhone people out there who feel oppressed... Because you paid two bucks. You are free to throw your iPhones away and buy an Android and then get the Savage Love app for free. I think you're going to lose money in the end if that's what you decide to do. But you have access. You have the same access to the free Savage Love app that any Android owner has right now. But you got to go buy your phone and throw your iPhone away. All right? Merry Christmas all of us here at the Savage Lovecast from all the tech-savvy, at-risk and Jewish, technically, youth and uh, me, lapsed Catholic, to you and your family, go have a drink at a bar. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.